This podcast is sponsored by Showgirls Closet at The Vault, a once-monthly vintage market, 149 Main Street in Winthrop, Maine. We are under the helm of Freckle Salvage Company. Freckle Salvage Company is a vintage and gift store right on Main Street in Winthrop, now in their fourth year of business. Welcome welcome to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. I am so excited to welcome my friend, Triple Threat, Katie Ann Harvey to the podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Katie is a triple threat, plus she does gymnastics. So I think that that makes it like a quadruple threat. I had the good fortune of seeing her play Ula in the producers last spring at the Palace Theater in Manchester. She's amazingly talented. She lives in New York City with her husband, Sam. She is a wonderful educator, but really her first love is performing. So Katie, how did you get your start? I kind of had like a topsy-turvy-ish, unconventional way to find myself in musical theater. I always loved it, but there wasn't really a lot of theater where I grew up in North Carolina. So we had to drive to Charlotte and that became one of our Christmas presents that my Auntie Margaret, rest in peace, she, instead of giving us Christmas gifts or birthday gifts, she gave my family two tickets to see, or two shows we could pick to see the Broadway national tours that would go through Charlotte. So that's how I was exposed to musicals. I was a gymnast starting off. I wanted to be in the Olympics. That did not happen after I got injured uh, way before I got even close. And But my floor exercise coach suggested that I try dancing. So I got into dancing around 10th grade and I really loved it. I then went to Appalachian State for dance studies for my bachelor's degree. And I thought I was going to be a teacher, a public school dance teacher, and maybe performing for a contemporary dance company, maybe Palabolus because of gymnastics. And then that's that. They in North Carolina lived there. I liked it. And then I was seeing the Wicked National Tour through Charlotte. And I didn't know any, I hadn't listened to the songs. I'm one of those people that I don't, if I haven't seen the show live, I don't listen to the music. I don't want to know anything about it. So the first time I'm sitting in a theater, it's like a full live experience um, or as full as it can be. Alphaba sang Wizard and I and and I'll stand there feeling things I've never felt. And though I'd never show it, I'd be so happy I could melt. And so it will be for the rest of my life. And I'll want nothing else till I die and like get to the end of the song. And everyone in my family is like, oh, wow. Oh, she's great. Oh, we love it. And I was bawling. I can't explain it. It was just in that moment. I just had this like epiphany, full body, out of body experience. Um, And I left and I said, oh, I'm going to do musical theater. So then I moved to New York and had you as my dance teacher. I knew I needed more training in musical theater because I had never had any like formal acting training, formal voice training besides like public school education. And I had some really great public school teachers, but uh, I knew if I wanted to pursue the highest level, I needed training. So I went to AMDA and I had a really great experience as a student going to AMDA. And then I graduated and I was lucky enough to book a job right out of school. So that I think really 
encouraged me and gave me a confidence boost to be like, yes, like I can do this. So yeah. And so I guess that was 12 years ago that that happened. So now 12 years later, I've been lucky to work on some really amazing productions and I love it so much. Musical theater is my favorite art form to receive and also give. So it's been so long since you were my student, but a memory that I have is watching you in your showcase. And in class, you were always super professional and a great class taker. I love students who know how to take class. And, you know, that's one of the things we teach. But there are students who really take class, like anything you say, they really listen, they apply the corrections. However, when I saw you on stage, it was a different ball game because you were electrifying, Katie. You, I still remember you did this like backbend in one of your numbers. And I was like, holy smokes, I have an actor friend named Tommy. It's the same kind of thing. It's like I ran lines with Tommy all summer. We, uh, he did Peter and the Starcatcher and he played Black Stash. And then I went and saw the show during the run and Tommy became this like otherworldly superstar. And that's how you are on stage. And when you played Ula this spring, I was like, boom, your time is coming, Katie. And I know you've had, you've been booked and blessed, but I know it's also been a little bit of a struggle. And I think your time is coming. So just don't give up the fight. And I know that you will be doing a lot, but you got to just stay in it. I think everybody's journey is different. And you and I both have some mutual acquaintances that have been doing like tons of Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. And it's how is it for you when you see your contemporaries and people that you know, book maybe jobs that you want? Do you ever feel like any jealousy or do you or do you have faith that your time is going to come? I think if you would have asked me that question, like through three years ago, four years ago, that would be a very different answer than what it is today. Definitely, if you would have asked me that like seven, eight years ago, I definitely have experienced um, jealousy for sure. And more my my struggle has been being seen for certain productions being unrepresented. It's really hard to get in in the room that used to really the idea that there was some sort of like cosmic injustice that like oh if only they could see me my my dreams would come true but but they aren't and like why is that happening for someone else and not me and i'm not proud of those feelings and it Essentially, I would say a couple years into the business, I realized that those feelings of jealousy was something that I wanted to really work on and like do a lot of self-work because all of my worth and validation was coming from external sources as opposed to internal sources. And so, you know, when I would book a job, it it would be high, you know, I would be up here. And then if I wasn't even seen for a job or cut, then a job that I was in my head, completely appropriate for, and not just appropriate for, but I thought was like perfect. And 
then I'd be back down here. So that roller coaster was not a healthy mental space for me to be in. So really, honestly, about seven, eight years ago, I really tried to start making an effort to turn everything from the inside out. And it has been a long journey. And obviously this extends past like the the career and into personal life and just like how you viewed or how you view yourself on a day-to-day basis. And I, there have been so many important steps along my journey, but I really feel like I've now actually, I can honestly say that I have achieved the goal that I started working on so long ago in terms of the self-work. Um, so now there's truly nothing but joy when I see acquaintances, people I love, I want them to be successful. It's easy for me to be happy for them because it's people I love. Sure. Um, It's maybe people I've done shows with that I'm maybe show friends with or acquaintances that then it's, uh, it's been harder for me in the past to kind of push the, push that out of into a, a healthy mindset, but I love it. I love it now when people are successful and uh, I'm just seeing it so much like good things are happening to good people. And if it's just, it's really inspiring and exciting. And it's because I know that just how I bring something really special to the table, they are bringing something really special to the table and how awesome for them that this is their moment and this is their opportunity getting here was a lot easier said than done. It took me years but, you know, on and off, I would go through phases, but I'm so happy with where I am now. Like my heart and my spirit are, I feel like the healthiest and the best they've ever been, which is allows me to, I feel like, be the the supportive person I always want to be. But sometimes I just didn't have the ability to be. Now, personal question, did you get this journey with the help of a therapist or did you just do the work on your own? Great question. No, I'm a a huge proponent of therapy. I did not, I am not in therapy, not currently in therapy, but I was reading a lot of books like Yes, Please and Big Magic and, and really just, I felt like I did possess the tools and I was seeing growth and I had a supportive community as well. So it was a lot of self. I'm sure maybe it would have happened sooner if I would have gone to a therapist <laughs> to help me sooner than seven years. No. So just a lot of self-work and honestly being able to, I've always been really self-aware and whether or not I like what I see is, is a different story but i'm i've always been able to be very honest with with the reality of of things that are happening and then the choices i make on top of that are just whether i make good choices or bad choices that has been always up in the air but i think my ability to remove myself and as much as anyone can i guess and focus on like a slow and steady approach like a day to day this is the human i want to be and i felt like that is actually who i i i was able i had those tools in me before i moved to new york and then new york slowly just started to take away a little bit of those things so it was less about me changing and more about me getting back to me like the actual core of who 
Katie Harvey is. I love your answers. And thank you for sharing that. Your husband is also in the business. And I have always wanted to do a series, especially in February, about show business couples. How is it to live in New York alongside of your show business husband? And I know some couples that live with each other and you two seem really happy and grounded. And I also notice just from following your social media that you both spend time with your families a lot. Yes, I I love him so much. I love Sam Harvey. Being in a relate, we are married. And even before we were married and we were just dating, we still had the opportunity to do like an off-Broadway show together for, for a long time. So we, I have, in terms of the whole like jealousy thing, there was pretty much one out of our years together. There's been one like time that I really struggled being jealous. And honestly, it's my, I'd never experienced, I think this was actually my big turning point for me personally, for dealing with everyone in general, dealing with like jealousy with other people and their careers is I knew there's not a single fiber of my being that wanted anything more than to be 1000% ecstatic uh, over the moon. And I hated myself for the fact that I even had this much jealousy towards the person who I love more than anything. And so I've I had to, that really, I, I was like, I need to figure this out. And it didn't mean that I, I struggled a bit with like ignoring my feeling or like I can be a supportive wife, but also have my own feelings, which is true. Like I can, but being in a relationship with someone I love more than I could have ever imagined or honestly put into words has helped me learn how to not be jealous because he's been really successful. He's had a lot of opportunities that I would love to have. And sometimes his upswing of work just kind of coincided with one of the downswings of mine. I was also going through some like health issues as well. And so it just kind of seemed like my body was failing me. Um, my career was failing me and like his was starting to take off. My love saved me. And I can't, I guess maybe if I wanted, if, like had to sit down and like write it out, I'm sure I could, but that was definitely the catalyst for me to be able to not only if learn I had to learn how to do that for him and our relationship. And so then once I learned how to do that, it was so easy to then apply it to everyone else in my life that I could potentially have those either jealousy feelings or, you know, impatient. It's really just being impatient, like, you know, not understanding why now is their time and not my time. During the pandemic, I almost felt, I have to be honest with you, I almost felt relief because I I don't have FOMO, but I'm all, I guess I do have FOMO. I'm always like, you're not doing enough. You're mm -hmm. not doing, you know, you're not doing everything you should be doing for your career. And during the pandemic, I was like, ain't nothing going on. So <laughs> I was like able to like breathe and I worked out and I was able to I started this podcast. Now that things are quote unquote back again, I just have to realize this business truly is a marathon. It is not for the weak at heart. You got to be strong mentally. You got to be strong physically. 
I had a really big upswing in my 20s and 30s. And I chose to step back to raise a child. And I've been back in it now. And it's not the same game that it was back in the day. And the whole approach to getting work is different. It's just a whole new universe, which I'm embracing. But you know, the social media, you have to be so active on it now. And you have to really be a presence. Do you find that fun or a challenge or I have really found social media to be very challenging, especially first starting off in this business. So I got my first professional job out of school Christmas of 2010. And I joined Instagram like Instagram was just happening. And I joined it in Christmas of 2012. So when I entered the business, like Instagram wasn't even a thing. Facebook still was still had my my college email from like App State. And it wasn't, it's just, it was just a different thing. So when I, in my early parts of my career, I would come into the room and go into contracts and be really confident and just like really excited to be there, happy with what I brought to the table. And my first several jobs, I worked with lovely casts who really embraced that and supported me and lifted me up. And then I was unfortunately a part of a cast that just, I feel like just didn't quite understand me, which is fine. You can't help, you know, who you're cast with, but that really took a toll on me, everyone, not everyone, but about half the cast, you know, for the first half of the contract would just like ignore me or talk about me behind my back or just something I'd never really experienced before. And I just didn't, I honestly didn't know how to, I wasn't capable of dealing with it. I didn't know how to approach it or deal with it, especially in a professional setting that I really loved so much. It all stemmed from them misreading my confidence as, oh, who does she think she is walking in here? She's the understudy. Doesn't she know she's the understudy, not the lead? Like that, those were things that were actually said to me. And so ever since then, it's always been, like you said, I I always think there's something I can do better. I am the a constant student trying to just absorb and just like be my best every day. And how can I be better than I was yesterday? So I can keep growing and just keep being the best I can be. That really kind of, well, dulled my shine is a very, uh, nice way of of putting it. So then when social media started becoming a factor, it was actually right after that contract was when it just started to turn into using social media to also be a spokesperson for yourself, right? Of using it as a professional platform as well as a personal platform. And I was so terrified of having people get the wrong idea. I did not want to be misunderstood. I did not want to be thought of as the girl who thinks she's hot stuff or like the the understudy that thinks she should be the lead. Like, so I really just kept it at arm's length. I enjoyed it for the social aspects and keeping up with my friends. And of course, if I got a job, I would post something about it. But even then, it still felt really yucky. It just, and so I had to, at one point over COVID, I, I think I was with Sam's family in Nebraska. We were out on the farm and I was just sitting on the swing, looking out, you know, at the horizon and, you know, we're maybe like two months into the pandemic and just this idea of change, knowing that the business was already changing before 
the pandemic a lot. It was definitely going to change after. And it was just this idea of I can not like it and not get on board with it, or I can not like it and get on board with it (laughs) and get, you know, I'm change. You have to change with, with it and with, with anything. And, and then Sam actually said something to me where he was like, you know, Katie, he was like, you know, that that's not why you're posting things. He was like people who know you and love, there's so many people who love working with you that know that. And he said, and honestly, if people are going to think that then you don't want to be working with them anyway. And they would think that regardless of whether or not you tried to advocate for yourself or not. This new, I'm in a very new, the past year has been really great for me, actually, personally, I've gotten to see a lot of actual, like tangible results from personal growth that I've been working on over the past years. And one of them is embracing change with social media. And I'm not scared. I am. It's still not my favorite thing in the whole world, but I'm definitely, I'm not scared to post anything. I'm actually like reaching out and asking for professional footage. And I was even scared to do that at one point, which is so silly because of course my response was, oh my gosh, yes, of course. Like, let me make sure you have like the best night, you know, like everyone who I've had the pleasure of, of working with over the past several years recently has just been in in my corner and has been my team. So it's it feels safe to put myself out there also because I'm okay with it and I don't need anyone else's validation to tell me that. So, Excellent. Oh my goodness. Know. That was that's so good. Wow. I just love talking with you because you're such a good colleague at our job, but also I just get so excited when I get to see you perform. And like I said earlier in the conversation, I know you're going to be booking some really great gigs. The tricky part with what we do is like, we don't know what down the horizon. We don't know what's around the bend. And tomorrow you could get a call that says, you know, come out on tour with this show or do this TV series. Yeah. And can I also say this? Maybe, maybe it was last week or a couple days ago, sometime very recently, I was sitting on the couch and I opened Instagram and there you were talking about your wrinkles, wrinkle schminkles, wrinkle schminkles. You can use my code Michelle 20 for 20% off. (laughs) But yes. So I like you are still inspiring to me. I was sitting there and like, like you're doing it. Like you are, you are putting yourself out there and you are, you are doing it in this, in this new format, this new way. And like you said, you have your podcasts and your, your directing. And I know you obviously have your vault, which we talk about so much, but it's like, you're just starting. I hope so. Thank you, Katie, for saying that. I call everybody. I call her Katarina. I don't know when I started doing it, but I always just say, if I see you in the hallway, I'm like, hello, Katerina. I know. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you one more thing before our conversation is over. You just went to Japan with Sam. Yes. You did the Christmas show the first year that you both got the gig. And what's the name of the show? And then I want you to tell the audience about the vintage in Japan, because everybody in this audience knows how much I love vintage and you do too. So let's talk about the gig first. Talk about the show. Okay. The show is called Broadway's Christmas Wonderland. 
weekend. It's at the Theater Orb in Shibuya, which is the one of the main big neighborhoods in Tokyo, what some people consider like the Times Square of Tokyo. Shibuya Crossing is, it's seen in a lot of movies, busiest intersection in the world. Anyway, so Broadway's Christmas Wonderland. So he has been a lead singer in that for, this is his fifth year, was his fifth year. And I've been able to, I did the show the first year with him. And then I've been able to go back um, the last three times he's done it just so we can, it's important for us to make time to see each other. So, you know, twist my arm if I have to go to Japan, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So he, he also uh, doubles as Santa Claus. So I call him Santa Claus and then that's caught on. So that's really fun. Yeah. So he slays on stage. He's amazing. The crowd just loves him so much. He's hilarious. He's so good. And then while he's at work, if it's a night that I'm not seeing one of the shows, then I go walk around Tokyo and thrift shop or window shop at thrift stores. They have, so my favorite neighborhood is called Shimokitazawa. It is everything. They have, it's the, the vibe is like, if you mixed the quietness, the, 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 the quiet cool of the West village with like the style and energy of the East Village together. And then that is what Shimokitazawa is. It's amazing. You find so much. You can get designer vintage. You can just get just like cheap, 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 good stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s. You can, uh, like I got this black overcoat for what ends up being like $11. There's a whole store called the 700 yen store. And so you, everything in the whole store, like wool coats, sweater, like hand, I don't even forget the word, hand knitted sweaters, suits, overalls, jeans, jean jackets, everything, 700 yen, which roughly comes out to like five US dollars. So it's obviously real. It's actually thrift shopping where sometimes in New York, vintage shopping is just is is just vintage. It's not thrift. So to be able to walk around and find these really like one of a kind, beautiful pieces, it's something that I really love to do. I love expressing myself through what I'm wearing. It's like a fun art project that's just for me every day. And visiting, uh, walking around Tokyo, not to mention the people are the nicest people I've ever met in the whole entire world. In terms of strangers I've met in Tokyo, will go out of your way to to help you with anything they I had someone tell me like like why did you choose to come to Tokyo and of course I I told them and they said wow like you really could have you could have gone anywhere on vacation and yet like you're choosing to come here and like you chose us and you chose to spend your money here and to support us and my family business. And uh, so thank you. And so it's that like what traveler wouldn't want to feel that like welcome with open arms. And so, of course, I just want to give them my whole wallet after that, you know. (laughs) But yeah, the clothes are amazing. I think like half my closet now is stuff from Japan because it's just like quality, one of a kind, unique pieces. So I love that so much. And I'm so happy that you got to go a question. If you have any advice for any young artist who's just beginning a career in the performing arts, what would you say to them? Oh gosh, if I only had one thing to say, I think I would say no one can be a better you than you. And the sooner you not only realize that, but lean into it and embrace it, 
then the sooner good things will come your way because people want authenticity. People want sparkle. People want real. And so if you bring that into the audition room with you, you'll, it, you will, I, I wish, I personally wish I would have started doing that a lot sooner. Thank you, Katie. What's your Instagram? And if there's an agent listening, please get this woman because she needs representation. If you're a casting director, please call her in. I highly endorse her. She's so talented. So what's your Instagram, girl, so people can find you? At Katie Ann Harvey, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-H-A-R-V-Y. Fantastic. I love you, Katarina. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Show, show.